This is Liz Cafiti with UN News. The war in Ukraine is having a ripple effect in South Sudan, where the World Food Program is working to feed millions of people battered by conflict, unprecedented flooding, and displacement. Food prices in the world's youngest nation were already increasing because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But the war has disrupted supply chains, resulting in rising costs for staples, such as sorghum, maize, and vegetable oil. Fuel prices have also skyrocketed, and WFP is now spending $1 million more each month to keep its trucks on the road. Matthew Hollingworth, WFP country director in South Sudan, explained to UN News' Deanne Penn why the agency is being forced to make some tough decisions around aid distribution. The overall numbers of people needing any form of humanitarian assistance right now, this year in South Sudan, is 8.9 million people, one of the highest people in need figures that we've ever had for South Sudan. Now, of those, based on the main assessment that we use to look at food insecurity in a country, there are 7.74 million people who will face severe levels of acute food insecurity this lean season, so from April through to July, right now basically. That's 63% of the population of this country. Those are some of the worst figures we've ever had, certainly since this country was born as an independent state in 2011. What's caused it, or what's causing it, because there's more than one cause, is clearly the amount of violence that this country still sees on a daily basis and, you know, the accumulation of that violence over many years. We've had three years of unprecedented flooding, and we're going into a fourth year. You're talking about a a natural disaster, a shock that has changed the wetlands of this country. So agriculturalists and pastoralists who have basically survived, lived, sustained themselves through the same farming uh, roles for generations can no longer do so because their land has changed forever. It's now underwater. And so we have issues of conflict being created because, for example, pastoralists, along with their animals, have been displaced for extensive periods into other territory where other people live or have lived. And now they have, as it were, unwelcome guests into a fourth year. We've also seen massive costs, increases on commodities, primarily because of COVID and what COVID did to supply chains. More recently, we've had the fuel cost increase, which is certainly having an impact on the cost of food. And the last point, of course, is that, yes, the war in Ukraine and what that's doing to food prices and fuel prices globally and how that impacts on the South Sudanese. So let's go into that, because, of course, this is a very... As you've just explained, there's so many layers to what is happening there in South Sudan, affecting millions of people. And now, of course, the war in Ukraine. South Sudan, like every country in the world, every country where significant numbers of people are vulnerable to the levels of food insecurity and poverty that unfortunately is persistent here, um, they will suffer because of uh, what's happening in in, in the Ukraine. Uh, Between Russia and the Ukraine, they represent about 30% of you know, the world's cereals exports. That's enormous. That means so many countries in the world that rely on importing cereals from both Russia and the Ukraine, if that transport, that flow 
of a key food commodity is impacted in any way, it has a, a major impact on the price of what is typically a staple of diets across the world. In South Sudan, that's not the mainstay of our diet. The mainstay of the diets here is sorghum or maize. But the issue being is we're surrounded by countries that do rely on wheat. And if wheat prices go up or if wheat availability goes down, then the price of sorghum and maize goes up as a ripple effect from what's happening in, uh, in the Ukraine. And we're already seeing an increasing price of sorghum and, and maize uh, in the country. We're seeing a very significant increase on vegetable oil already, 15% since the beginning of the year. And again, South Sudan doesn't necessarily eat the high cost sunflower oil that is produced in the Ukraine and is not being exported because of the crisis, as it usually would be. But the vegetable oil here still is going up in price because globally there's less available or there's a fear that there's less available in the future. So the prices are going up. What we're also seeing is the cost of delivery going up. The cost of fuel is going up. The costs of flying our aircraft, um, whether it's helicopters to move humanitarian personnel around or food for airdrops around, that price has gone up to an extent that we are seeing at least a $300,000 per month additional cost. And of course, the vast majority of what is moved for the humanitarian community is by truck uh, when we can outside of the rainy season. Those prices have gone up by a million dollars a month. That's based on today's increased price. So if fuel prices like diesel and benzene, what you call gas, if those prices continue as they are just today, that will be $8 million more required just to move our trucks around the country this year. But what it looks like is those prices are going to continue to rise. And so we're seeing food prices increase and we're seeing fuel prices increase. And that's going to have an impact on our operations as the World Food Programme, but it's going to have an impact on the market and how the private sector delivers. It's going to have an impact on the rest of the humanitarian and development community. And that impact, unfortunately, means that food prices in every, any market in this country will go up. Right. So there's two issues here. I mean, we have the local people who the sorghum and um, other commodity prices rising ridiculously. And then for WFP, those astronomical transport costs. I mean, how on earth are you going to be able to sustain this? Right now, we know we can't. And even those numbers sound big, but they are dwarfed by what we actually need to support those huge numbers of people in need in South Sudan. We are currently $600 million short for our programs for the next six months, um, because this is one of the other impacts of crises like Ukraine, that there are so many mega crises in the world today, in the Ukraine, in Yemen, now in, in the Eastern Horn because of the drought. The Syria refugee crisis continues. Ethiopia, the Tigray crisis continues. The situation for the Sudanese continues in the north. We have all of these crises. And what it means is that donors don't have the resources to meet the enormity of the humanitarian needs in the world. So one of the other impacts is going to be that simply we will not see the levels of funding that we have perhaps seen in the past this year. Ukraine is an era-defining crisis. 
it is, suffice it to say, going to have an impact everywhere. Given all of these um, costs, um, this rise in costs, um, what steps is WFP taking? Look, we are calling on donors, I mean, in particular in South Sudan, to recognize that, first of all, you know, this, this is still the youngest nation in the world and it's in a pretty fragile state. We are getting towards the end of what has been a very difficult, unstable transitional period. We have a transitional uh, government of national unity brought together by the various part, you know, parties who were fighting one another off and on for the last sort of seven years. And so that's definitely fraught with danger. That political agreement could break and we're coming to the culmination of it. And of course, what's happening right as we come to the end of it is this enormous instability because we're seeing poverty levels and we're seeing humanitarian needs you know, at levels we've never seen before. So on the one hand, we are saying to donors, let's be cognizant of the fact that this country you know, that was only really birthed 10 years ago is in a very precarious situation. What we can't do is let a humanitarian crisis in this country sort of put us back in the wrong track, you know, harm the peace process even further. And remember, we're seeing, you know, conflict all the time still in South Sudan. 44,000 people were displaced last week because of fighting in unity state. Obviously, we're also having to take some really tough choices. We made tough choices in in 2021. Eight months ago, we had to make that awful decision to, as it were, take from the hungry to give the starving. We reduced the rations we were providing to the refugees seeking refuge in South Sudan, from the Sudan, from DR Congo, etc., in order to increase the rations in the areas where South Sudan was seeing the likelihood of famine. We can't reduce their rations any further. They're only getting 50%. That's not enough in terms of providing for a person per day. But with enormous uh, needs outstanding, what we need to do now is unfortunately prioritise those we support to only the most vulnerable. So what we will do in the next six months is only assist the people in catastrophic and emergency levels of food insecurity. But that means we will stop providing some of the forms of assistance we give, so general food distributions, in areas where people are in less extreme uh, levels of food insecurity. But that has an impact as well, because we're getting to a point of electioneering, we're getting to a point of, you know, the politics that happened before an election. And you don't provide support in certain areas because their needs are less, it will be seen politically. It will be seen for all the reasons that it isn't. It's happening based on a vulnerability analysis, but it will be seen that why are they getting and I'm not getting. And when you start getting us and them arguments over aid at a time of political sort of uh, instability, it's a problematic uh, recipe. But it's one we're going to have to work you know, very, very carefully to ensure that the messaging is clear. So we're taking very tough decisions on prioritization and the way we target those we support. At the same time, we're trying to remind everybody that South Sudan cannot afford to fail, not 10 years into its lifetime, not when this peace process is coming to an end of its transitional period.